0: Why, hey there, today in the show, we're going to be talking about lift training solutions, how it stacks up to other methods to manage the injury risk at work. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. At Ergonomics Help, the business of ergonomics podcast, you know I'm all about providing valuable methods, ways for you to just crush it with ergonomics, whether industry, office, whatever application that you're working with. And I do have courses available and I do have programs available to help you crush it like the ergonomics blueprint and accelerate the business of ergonomics. If you want to learn more about how I can help you achieve your goals, I want you to head to the description in this podcast episode right now and check out the various ways that I can help. Now let's roll into this episode. As you're here, do and I'm here to do. I'm here to go into my promise of some value-added perspectives and how you can help the workplaces with one of the biggest injury concerns that is affecting our modern society. And let's face it, the balance sheet at the workplace level because injuries are costly both directly and indirectly. If you are familiar with the iceberg method of injury causation. How only you only see 10% of the injury costs in direct. Most of it is underlying and most workplaces don't even know that they're spending the time and the energy managing it. Let's talk about lower back pain. According to the World Health Organization, low back pain is a leading cause of disability worldwide. And in the United States alone, lower back pain is one of the most common reasons for missed workdays, accounting for more than 264 million lost workdays in 2018 alone, which is absolutely huge. And the prevalence of lower back pain among workers actually varies by industry, obviously. So if you're doing more physically demanding work, you're gonna be higher at a higher incidence of developing. work-related lower back pain. So these industries include healthcare workers, transportation, material, moving uh, types of jobs, construction workers, agricultural workers. In this episode, I want to share some perspectives that I've gleaned over the years of doing ergonomics assessments, what works and what doesn't work in preventing and managing this. So let's dive into this first. At a high level, why might you be working with a company with this? Well, there's four reasons why you might be called in to talk about injury prevention tactics. And these are actually four different types of services. And if you are doing ergonomics professionally, then you should be covering these bases in the services that you offer. The first thing that could be happening here why you're being called into a company is that they want you to do an ergonomic risk assessment. Now, this can be general, like you're just being called in because they haven't done an ergonomic risk assessment ever, and they need some guidance, or you're being called in for a specific situation. Like they know that there's a problem with this particular task in a job, and they need some guidance from an expert on how they can reduce the ergonomic risk. So, of course, what you would do in this situation is go to your list of Ergonomic risk assessment tools, look at the job, compile where the ergonomic risks are, and apply your knowledge to come up with solutions. Later on in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the best types of ergonomic solutions and how lift training falls into the world of this. So hold on to your hats because we're going to be moving into that shortly. The second reason why a company might be calling you in to share your expertise is they are updating their physical demands analysis records. And this is really useful as an ergonomics professional or someone who's passionate about ergonomics, because this can be your way into organizations who aren't necessarily ready for ergonomics, or they don't think that they're ready for ergonomics. Physical demands analysis are something that a workplace has to do anyway. They have to keep these updated, especially if they are doing any sort of return to work or communication with a workers' compensation board. I think every single ergonomics specialist, every ergonomics service provider, should also be offering physical demands analysis. Not only is it within your scope and your expertise of measuring the physical aspects of work, our employers and our clients likely need this. They may not be ready for an ergonomics analysis, whether or not they determine this or if it's actually a priority for them at this point in time. But I promise you, if there's physical work being done, a physical demands analysis is probably a requirement, as I mentioned, because this has to be updated at a regular basis, at least a decade or every five years, because this is going to be used in the return to work process. And if a company does not have a database of these on file, then this is going to slow down the return to work process and make sure that those costs are going to be higher. So that's a way to sell this. So let's get into what a physical demands analysis is. It's a comprehensive evaluation of the physical requirements of a job. It involves identifying and measuring the essential physical demands of that job, including the strength, endurance, range of motion, and other physical capabilities required to perform that job. At this point, we're not looking at whether or not what that person chooses to do is ergonomically, safely, or even effective. We're just capturing the physical aspects of that job. So you will need some sort of force measurement device, like a, um, a push-pull meter and a scale, and you're going to need a timer, you're going to need pictures, you're going to need to write down as much information as possible, because you're going to be looking at the metrics of that job, lifting, carrying, pushing, pulling, how long they're standing, how long they're walking, what's their reach distance. So that's going to involve you pulling out your tape measure and measuring that as well. As you can see, this is something that is in depth. And if you love detail and really getting down to the nitty gritty of jobs, then you definitely want to add this to the types of services that you offer because you can charge a really healthy amount to the employer. It's in need, but not only that, you're going to be looking at this through your ergonomics eyes, and there is going to be more opportunities for you in the future, especially if you identify some aspects that fall outside what a safe ergonomic requirement would be. You can make this a flag to the employer and let them know about a plan for you to come in and really take a good look at that job, about what the solutions could be, and what their budget could be. However, really what you're doing is that you are building a relationship with that employer. I love physical demands analysis. You're not saying goodbye to ergonomics assessments. Rather, these things support each other. As I mentioned, a company may not be ready to do an ergonomics risk assessment yet, But they do need a physical demands analysis because it can be a flaming red flag because they are in a workers' compensation issue and they need this information in order to facilitate that process with that workers' compensation board. So this brings me to the third reason why you are being called in to an organization to talk about lift training. And it could be that you are facilitating a work accommodation. This goes hand in hand with workers' compensation, a physical demands analysis, and ergonomics risk assessments. I hope that you can see the opportunity here. What you're doing in this particular area is that you have that person's functional capabilities and you are being called in to determine whether or not they can safely perform the essential parts of that job. If anything falls outside the person's functional abilities, then you're looking to accommodate them, right? There's a variety of ways that you can accommodate them, whether it's providing ergonomic solutions to reduce the ergonomic risk if it is significantly higher, or if you're looking at other modified duties that would fall into that person's functional abilities that they can do. The goal here is to safely return that person back to work and find meaningful work that helps the company and to shut down that time loss claim. There's so many benefits here. And many ergonomics professionals look at this through their ergonomic scope, which I believe is something that is truly unique and sets the tone for that employer-ergonomist relationship. The last thing here, and maybe the most obvious, is that you are called in about lift training for specifically lift training. Yes, a company wants you to come in to share your knowledge and your expertise to facilitate a lift training program. And there's two ways that I look at this from an ergonomics perspective. One is, for lack of a better term, ignorance. That company may not realize that there is more in-depth information and resources available rather than just showing employees how to lift properly. With lift training, are you taking out the ergonomics risk? Are you modifying that job so it's safer? Absolutely not. You are doing no such thing. You are just teaching that person how to, I'm using quotations here, how to lift properly. And of course, there's going to be good and bad with this. It can seem like it is a check in the box for a company. So on the other side, they know that there are other solutions, but they need to be doing something because maybe this is related to workers' comp or OSHA or some sort of prevention activity. And in terms of doing something compared to doing nothing, Lift training can seem like the most cost-effective solution to get this done. However, is it the most effective way to really prevent injuries from happening? No. And I'm going to be talking about that in the next area of today's podcast. So you might be asking yourself, okay, Darcy, this is really cool, but how does lift training actually fall into the level of effectiveness compared to all the other types of ergonomic solutions out there? Well, there is this this thing called the hierarchy of countermeasures in the ergonomics world. And I want to share with you how lift training would stack up. There's four levels of ergonomic solutions here. Engineering, administrative, behavioral, that's where lift training would fall, and personal protective equipment. So to give you an idea of the effectiveness of the lift training, we first have to go through the other types of ergonomic solutions are. So the most effective ergonomic solution is, is engineering. And this is where your mind has to go as a reputable ergonomic service provider what you can do in terms of engineering out the ergonomic risk from that job. If you're just relying on administrative or behavioral solutions, then what you're doing is not going to be effective. And over time, you're not going to get good results for that employer and that person too. So I really want to encourage you of looking at the engineering ergonomic solution methods first. And what you're doing here is that you're designing or modifying the equipment, tools, workstations, and systems to improve their ergonomic qualities and reduce the risk of workplace injuries and musculoskeletal disorders. Yes, I realize that that can seem a little intimidating, but it's really not. What you're looking at is design modifications, such as adjusting the height or the angle of a workstation changing the layout of a workspace, redesigning tools or equipment to reduce the amount of force or awkward posture required to operate them. Through engineering solutions, you might even look at lift assists or other specialized equipment. Even an ergonomic chair in a workstation would be considered an engineering solution. Same as ergonomic keyboards and mice. This is going to be the most effective method at reducing lower back injuries. However, at the same time, there are three other levels of ergonomics solutions that can help you achieve better results with the engineering component. The first of which is administrative. Administrative ergonomic solutions, this is a method of addressing ergonomic hazards through changes to work policies, procedures, and organization culture. So, what do I mean by this? We're talking about job rotation, job breaks, task scheduling, and the really neat thing with this is that it all comes together with a really thorough approach because with administrative controls, to be effective, you have to have a very good understanding of what that person is exposed to in terms of ergonomic risk and then ensuring that not too much exposure or too much of a risk is being exposed to that person or a particular body part of that area. For instance, they're not lifting heavy loads all day. You are alternating tasks to ensure that you can minimize repetitive strain injuries. And as I mentioned, these types of solutions have to be used in conjunction with engineering solutions and behavioral solutions in order to have something that can actually work. By themselves, administrative isn't going to be working very well at all. So, keep that in mind when you're moving forward with lift training. Okay, so we're into the third level of effectiveness here in terms of solutions. Lift training. And this might be the reason why you are being called into that workplace because lift training is something like a buzzword, right? Like, Everyone kind of knows what lift training is, and like I mentioned earlier in this episode, it can very much feel like a check in the box. However, let's be real, it's not super effective by itself, and the research does support this. So I'm going to get into some specifics of what a good lift training can have. However, keep in mind that over time, like I mentioned, it's not going to be as effective. And under situations of extreme stress, like there's time demands, or there's other things going on in that work environment, it is very unlikely that a person is going to be using good lift training mechanics. So what am I getting to here? Well, we're talking about behavioral based ergonomic solutions because we're modifying how that worker's behavior is being completed in order to improve ergonomic practices and reduce the risk of workplace injuries. You're focusing in on how that person performs their jobs rather than changing the physical environment or the administrative factors here. The next thing I want to talk about is the fourth least effective But again, super useful if you're using it in conjunction with other ergonomic control factors at reducing things like back pain and back injuries, is personal protective equipment. Another way of looking at this is PPE. This is something that improves the fit, comfort, and usability of the work. So you could be looking at gloves, respirators, safety glasses. Yes, the RS safety aspect. But at the same time, they can further improve the rate at which you're reducing musculoskeletal disorders. If you're a little gray on what this means, just think of workplace padding or anti-fatigue matting. This can go a long way at improving the comfort at which the job is being completed. However, does it actually reduce the physical risks associated with that job? Absolutely not. But is very much nice to have. And without it, that worker will probably know. Okay, so now that I explained my perspective on the types of solutions that you can offer employers that might include lift training and really the whole spectrum of the types of solutions that you can be offering. So that way you're prepared if someone calls you in for lift training, how you might be able to mitigate that and provide other opportunities that you can provide value to that workplace, and then how lift training stacks up with other types of ergonomic solutions. I want to get into some lift training tips that you can provide to that workplace. These are really common, really basic, but it really shows the road that you may be going down. Now, the really cool thing with other healthcare professionals getting into ergonomics and other employer services is that you probably have loads of training on this. Maybe you've been trained in the clinic that you've been working in or in your other nine-to-five, that there are some really good uses and really good tips that brings effective lift training. So I really want you to pull on that background. And of course, there's certain biomechanical things that you should be explaining to the worker as much as possible. What I want to encourage you to do is demonstrate as you talk and get those people involved as much as possible. Walk them through a bunch of different scenarios because there are many different types of learners out there, not just people who understand a presentation with PowerPoint slides. Probably with lift training, most people who are are going to be in that classroom need physical walkthrough and physical analysis here. So they need to practice it. They need to get pointers from you and coaching from you. And you got to try a lot of different types of lifts. So not just lifting by themselves with simple things, but really awkward things with more than one person doing the lift so they can practice with their colleagues. Because if they're out there on the shop floor or at the job, they're not going to have time to do this. So when you're teaching these types of classes, you want to ensure that you're giving them the planning aspects, you know, sizing up the loads, making it clear, but you also want to ensure that they know exactly the best possible way to lift, you know, not with the back with the legs and get through as many types of reasons why it's really useful to do this. I have a couple of really great ones here that I love teaching um, to, to get that person to lift with their legs, and not with their back, and it's really useful. And you know what? I'm sure that you have really useful ones too that you've used in the in the past to get that person to lift their legs and not with their back. But you're probably already seeing the opportunity here and where the risk is if you're just relying on this alone to reduce the risks associated with lower back pain, and reducing injuries in general. So there you have it. As I mentioned at the start of this, it's going to be really high level. And I wanted to give you some perspectives how you can make more money offering ergonomic services, physical demands analysis, return to work stuff, lift training, and how this all works together to put you on some really firm ground when you're moving forward with this. In another episode, you know what, I am going to be sharing some of my lift training tips that have worked really, really well in the past, because I want to get that out there too. But you know what, it's not really the time or place right now for this episode because it's so high level, and we're going a little bit long on time here. I so appreciate you for listening to this episode right now, keep on listening, and As a reminder, if you want me to help you crush ergonomics, get started with ergonomics, get more paying customers for your services, then I want you to check out the description below to see how we can work together. Have a great day and keep on fighting the good fight. Accelerate the Business of Ergonomics helps healthcare professionals building their own thriving ergonomic service business, and it's opening for enrollment soon. You can register now just by going to ergonomicshelpcom slash biz to be the first notified once we open up the doors to Accelerate so that you too can tap into the strategies to build, attract customers, and raise your income with your own ergonomic services. Join the notification list to get the processes, the resources, and your future members you'll work with inside the program. You'll be the first to know about any brand new free training that I release, and you'll be the first in line when we open up the doors to accelerate the business of ergonomics next. All you got to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash biz to get started now.